This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. One year before Election Day, The Nation has taken a position on the Democratic primary. For that, we turn to the magazine's editor, D.D. Guttenplan. He was also one of the magazine's lead correspondents covering the 2016 presidential campaign, and he's the author of the book, The Next Republic, The Rise of a New Radical Majority. Don, welcome back. Great to be back, John. Well, instead of choosing between Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, the nation at this point in the campaign did something different. Please explain. Well, you know, like a lot of uh, organizations and people on the left, we've come under a certain amount of pressure to choose between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, we've, you and I have talked and we've written before that that's not a choice we feel we need to make right now. Uh, we feel that the presence of both of them in the, in the race is great and it's widening the left lane and they're, they're each in some ways reinforcing each other's messages and uh, acting as legitimators and also just taking up air and media time discussing things like Medicare for All and a Green New Deal and forgiving student debt. So we're, we're happy with that. But we decided that, that we did need to take a stand and to weigh in on the Democratic field. And we, we wrote and published what we call an anti-endorsement, whose title pretty much explains it, against Biden. And uh, we laid out in that editorial our reasons why we think Joe Biden ought to put service to country above personal ambition and drop out of the Democratic race now. Well, Biden, of course, is called a moderate, along with Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar and Kamala Harris. Is the nation anti-endorsing them also for the same reasons as Biden? Well, you know, I don't want to use moderate as a dirty word. And in fact, in the editorial, we say that that we think whoever the nominee is, is going to need to have good answers to the kind of criticisms that Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg have been making, not that we're necessarily persuaded by them, but we we feel that they need to be addressed and answered in a way that will be persuasive to, you know, the, the American public. Because after all, what we want is a nominee who can not only win the Democratic primaries, but who can evict Donald Trump from the White House. At this point, it's not so much Biden's positions that we feel disqualify him. It's his record. And it's his record going back quite a long way, you know, not just things like happily working with segregationists to oppose school busing or his, in some ways, deeply consequential mishandling of Anita Hill's, you know, accusations of sexual harassment against Clarence Thomas or his role in, in, in ramming through the bill that led to the explosion of mass incarceration, you know, the Clinton crime bill or his opposition to measures to liberalize bankruptcy for people who are driven into bankruptcy by credit card debt. There's a lot in in Biden's record not to like, but in a sense, it's not just the record. It's that as an opponent to Donald Trump, we feel that Joe Biden is a uniquely weak candidate and that his presence in the race, and this is not our coinage, but it's a coinage that I have to say I've liked enough to steal, as a kind of zombie candidate, means he sucks oxygen and money and attention away from candidates whose positions are probably not that different from his. And, you know, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg are two perfectly good examples, but who don't have uh, the record 
that renders them uniquely weak against Donald Trump. You know, they can they can raise issues of corruption and uh, the, the way in which Trump puts his relatives into positions for which they're unqualified without having to then spend hours talking about Hunter Biden. Of course, some of our friends say the most important thing about Biden is that the polls show him doing better than his rivals, Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, if the election were held today. Washington Post poll, for instance, came out last week, rated A-plus by 538.com. Uh, its current finding is that Biden would beat Trump 56% to 39%, while Elizabeth Warren would beat him 55 to 40, and Bernie would beat him 55 to 41. Wouldn't it be better to beat Trump 56 to 39 than 55 to 40? <laughs> well, we both know that's a silly argument. I mean, first of all, we're a year out from the election, and year-out polls, as you know, Nate Silver would be the first to tell you, mainly register name recognition. So, you know, and Biden has been vice president for eight years, so he has a lot of name recognition. But the second thing, and this is, this is I think, in some ways a more substantive point. Look, we at the nation definitely want a candidate who can beat Donald Trump. And that's one of the reasons why we feel that the issues debate, which in some ways is being stifled by all the attention given to Burisma and Biden and his connections to the Ukraine and his son's jobs, we feel that it would be much better to have the debate among the Democrats about the things that are going to matter in November and not about those things, which all those things do is they, they provide Republicans with talking points if Joe Biden ends up being the nominee. And if he's not the nominee, and we're pretty sure he's not going to be the nominee, then what they do is they just keep the Democrats from subjecting the field to the kind of tests that it needs to be subjected to. You know, there are, there are worthy candidates who have Joe Biden's views on a lot of the issues, but who aren't getting the oxygen because he's sucking all the oxygen up. And there are candidates of color who might be in the top tier if it weren't for the fact that, you know, Joe Biden's loyalty to Obama has uh, inspired a kind of reciprocal loyalty among African-American voters. So those are two points we think are worth thinking about. But there's something else that I want to talk about, and that's this notion of electability, because I covered the 2016 campaign for the nation. And at some point during that campaign, I wrote a piece which we never published called Is Hillary Electable? It was written in opposition to and out of irritation with the kind of mainstream view that Hillary was an ideal candidate and that electability was the thing that mattered most. And, you know, first of all, I never thought that was going to work. I thought that there were a lot of issues that, particularly around economic inequality and trade policy and the gutting of America's industrial infrastructure, and even on sexual harassment, where because it was Hillary... Trump was kind of immunized from having to really be accountable for his actions. And I feel like it would be, it would be terrible to repeat that mistake in 2020, and for me, unconscionable to be silent again while the Democratic Party sleepwalks into another disaster of that kind. Well, let me go back for a minute to the African-American voters you mentioned. Of course, they're the bedrock base of support for Joe Biden, who as you say, remember his ties to Obama. Those voters are very clear they don't want Mayor Pete. They don't seem to be very strong for Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, and they don't show much interest in Kamala Harris or Cory Booker. So, How do we know who their second choice would be if Biden weren't there? I mean, I've seen some polls that say quite a lot of them 
you know, list Bernie as their second choice. I see others that say that they list Cory Booker as their second choice. I think in a way it's, it's hard to get people to focus on a hypothetical, which is why I suppose the question you might ask about our editorial is why preempt the process? And, and my answer is that the process has a flaw in that there's going to be corporate money flowing to Biden for as long as he wants to stay in the race. And as long as corporate money is flowing to him, he has less incentive to drop out. But if he drops out late, if he collapses in the polls, but he doesn't collapse in the polls until February and his money dries up in February or March, Harris, or more to the point, Booker or Joaquin Castro may not last that long. You listed many of Biden's weaknesses, flaws, and problems. Are you saying Joe Biden is a crook? We say very clearly in the editorial that he's not a crook. But there's another piece in the same issue that talks about something called the Delaware Way. And it looks a lot like what they used to call in Tammany Hall days legal graft. In other words, none of it's illegal. There's no allegation of criminality. But it, A, doesn't look good, and B, it's a kind of reciprocal favor arrangement with corporate interests that make you a particularly weak candidate at a moment when there's popular outrage against the 1% and against the millionaire and billionaire class. Last question. When will it be time to choose between Bernie and Elizabeth Warren for The Nation magazine? Well, that's a really good question. I suppose one answer would be as we come out of Iowa and New Hampshire, and we see where they are. I mean, we we may never have to choose because one of them may be doing so much better than the other that it's obvious which one is going to be the nominee. Or if we're going into the spring and they're still going neck and neck, uh, we may have to choose. Or, of course, we may have to consider the argument, which people don't consider, I think, only on ageist grounds, of a Sanders-Warren or a Warren-Sanders ticket. Those are all reasonable questions, but they're not questions we have to answer right now. We've been speaking with D.D. Guttenplan. He's editor of The Nation. We've been talking about the magazine's anti-endorsement of Joe Biden. You can read it now at thenation.com. Thank you, Don. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks, Chuck. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 